So how are we all doing out there tonight? Good. Well, we're going to continue on into week three of the sermon series called Prayers for the Church. And if you, uh, if you missed one of the first few weeks, you can go ahead and jump on Spotify or, uh, and listen to them on, uh, listen to the podcast last, the last few weeks. Um, in week one, we talked about the story of Nehemiah, and we talked about vision. We talked about this idea of where, how do we receive vision. We talked about how burden is the birthplace of vision and talked about that. Then last week, it, it was very similar last week's sermon. Um, it, was, it was about vision still. It was about, you know, our mission of taking Jesus in every community of Southwest Nova. But instead of being explicitly about vision, it was this idea of us being stirred and God stirring us to play our part, stirring us to give to the mission. It was all about being stirred. I was thankful some, this week, uh, someone in the prayer circle, as they were, I, I asked the question, I said, what season do you feel like you're in right now in your relationship with God? Like, what is God doing on the inside of your heart? And this person said, I feel like I'm in a season of God stirring me. And that's awesome. I mean, that's really awesome that, that, that that's what God's doing in, in her, her heart and in some of your hearts. And that's my hope is that God is stirring your heart. But this week, as we do this series, Prayers for the Church, as we have opportunity and I have opportunity to share with you stuff that I'm actually praying into for you, for our church, we're going to make a little bit of a shift. And the first two weeks we talked about vision, but this week I want to talk less about vision and more specifically about what is God doing inside of each and every one of you. That's kind of what's on my heart, and so we'll talk a little bit about that here tonight. And I thought it might be helpful. Um, I don't know the way in which you pray. There's lots of different ways to pray. Uh, you can pray in lots of different spaces. Some people like praying on the beach. Some people like praying in the shower. Some people like praying while you're driving. Just don't close your eyes. Some people pray in lots of different ways, the, uh, my preferred way to pray often is through journaling. And so I'll open up a Word document on, on my iPad here, and I'll just pray in journaling and talk to the Lord about all different kinds of things. One of the things that I talk to the Lord about a lot is you. I talk about our church. And this is, this is taken from our journal on Thursday and kind of sets us up with where, what I want to talk about tonight. So this is, uh, this is one of my prayers from this past week. Would you help people to understand where they are on their growth journey? And would you help us all to grow up into Christ? Lord, I long to see depth and maturity in people. That starts with a hunger to grow. Create a hunger for the things of God. Lord, do a deep work of grace in our lives. Sometimes that's painful. Help us to have a bigger picture of what spiritual formation actually is. God, change us to be people like you. In the name of Jesus, amen. My desire for you as a church, and in particular for you as individuals, is that you would grow in your relationship with Jesus. Like, I want to see each and every single one of you moving forward, wherever you're at on your journey with Jesus, whether you're yet to make that step of inviting Christ in, I still want to see you make steps. Or whether you've been a believer your whole entire life, I want to see each and every one of you continuing to grow in your relationship with Jesus. But growing isn't always fun, is it? You ever have those moments where you wish you were a kid again? Maybe you've had the urge to pull a prank on someone. Or maybe you've had the urge at different times, you wish you could just crawl into a corner in the fetal position and cry like a baby. 
You just wish you could be like a kid again so you could act like a kid again and it would be actually okay socially. Or maybe you had those moments when you actually did act like a kid again and you did pull that prank. You know, growing up isn't always fun. You ever do something that like was really, really childish and someone said, how old are you anyways? Grow up! You ever hear someone tell you that? You know, many of us are familiar with uh, Peter Pan and Never Never Land. And in Never Never Land, you never had to grow up. You could be a kid forever. Well, I got some bad news for those of us that choose to follow Jesus. Not growing up as a Christian is not an option. Because God actually gives us a command directly from the scriptures to grow up. So I don't mean to step on toes here tonight because I'm speaking to myself. But tonight's title of the message is, Grow Up! Grow Up! Because that's what the Bible actually commands us to do. It says, grow up in every way. But I think often, wherever we're at in our relationship with God, we can feel stunted in our growth. We don't think, feel like we're moving forward in our relationship with God. And I think there's a few different reasons why we might not be growing spiritually. Maybe you become spiritually stagnant. I remember when I grew up, I grew up uh, in Canso, and my family grew up on this island called Durrell's Island. And I remember going back the island, which was our thing. We'd go back the island, go camping there, whatever, um, digging clams with my dad, so, so on and so forth. But oftentimes, during storms, the back of the island was all chock full of rocks. And I remember this smelly, stinky water that would be stuck in the rocks that had no place to get out. And it was like, it was, it was stagnant water. It had no life in it. And maybe in your spiritual life, you feel like that's the case. You don't feel like there's like freshness in your inner life. You feel like things are like half dead on the inside. And you feel like you can't, you aren't able to move forward in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you become spiritually stagnant and you need a fresh touch from Jesus. Or maybe you're spiritually stuck or stalled. How many of you maybe feel stuck in your spiritual life? Sometimes like life and circumstance happen to us and at times they can actually cause blockages. Maybe there's different things that have happened to you. Maybe you have a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up and it's caused you to get stuck spiritually. Or maybe you have unforgiveness or bitterness and resentment in your heart and it's caused you to get stalled out spiritually. It could be a secret sin or a bondage, but whatever the case may be, you are stuck spiritually and you don't feel like you're growing. Or maybe you feel like you have spiritually plateaued. This is probably the most dangerous one. This is the one where you've become a Christian, you've been walking with Jesus maybe for quite a long time, You've grown a lot over the years as time's gone on, but you've kind of got to a place in your spiritual life where you're just sitting back, relaxing, put your feet up. Oh, this is so nice and comfortable. Yay, Jesus. But you've gotten too comfortable, and you've stopped growing. You've stopped that white-hot pursuit of Jesus. Maybe you've spiritually plateaued, and you've stopped growing. So this is a question I want you to consider tonight is 
where am I at right now in my spiritual life? Go ahead and answer that question in your own head and heart right now. If you could just discern where you're at in your own spiritual life, where would you say you're at currently in your own spiritual life? Am I growing up in every way? Am I stagnant? Am I stuck? Am I spiritually plateaued? Or maybe I'm in a season where, God, I believe you're working, but it's hard for me to just articulate what you're doing in my life. Regardless of whatever season you find yourself in, the pathway forward is to grow. Because God wants us to grow up in every way. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 tonight, verses 11 to 16. It's going to be on the screen here, and this is what it says. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Grow up in every way. So there's three things we grow in that I want to talk about here for a few moments. Then we're going to get a little practical. So the three things we grow in. The first one's knowledge. Can you all say knowledge? Knowledge. We grow in knowledge. The Bible says to the knowledge of the Son of God. We grow spiritually first and foremost and foundationally by knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus. It's the foundation block for our spiritual lives. Jesus is this most precious treasure. That's a person that we all have opportunity to have a relationship with. And there's all kinds of dimensions and aspects to him. He's kind of like this beautiful diamond that has all these different facets and dimensions that we have opportunity to look on and behold. And one of the Holy Spirit's number one jobs in our lives is to give us a fresh revelation of Jesus. To remind us all the time, not just in our heads, but in our hearts of who this Jesus is. And to cause our hearts to marvel and wonder at the person of Christ. So the Holy Spirit wants to give us this revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. That he is the Messiah. He wants to convince us. That's part of the Holy Spirit's job is to convince us in our spirit that these things are true. The Holy Spirit wants to convince us that Jesus was the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. The Holy Spirit wants to convince us that all things were made through Christ and for Christ. And the Holy Spirit wants to convince us that Jesus holds all things together in the universe, including my life and your life. That's who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit wants to convince us that this man came to earth 2,000 years ago. That he was fully God and fully man. That this Jesus of Nazareth traveled around performing signs, wonders, and miracles to prove that he truly was sent from God. The Holy Spirit wants to convince us that this Jesus is the suffering servant that Isaiah prophesied about. 
that he suffered and died for you and for me. The Holy Spirit wants to convince us that this Jesus took my sin and your sin on a cross 2,000 years ago. That his life was broken and poured out for you and for me. So we could be forgiven, adopted, and made right with God and have a blameless relationship with him. The Holy Spirit wants to convince us that this Jesus not only died, but he rose again three days later and he conquered sin and death. The Holy Spirit wants to convince us that Jesus ascended to the right hand of God and that from there, he sent the Holy Spirit to give us power and victory and the ability to live our lives for him. And the Holy Spirit wants to do that initially in our lives. He wants us to come to believe those things initially. But the really cool part about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit continues to give us fresh revelation of these things. So that we're not just knowing that we've been forgiven for sin 20 years ago. I'm like, oh yeah, check. The Holy Spirit causes us consistently, daily, to have a fresh understanding and revelation and being able to marvel and wonder at this amazing Jesus. Because he's awesome, amen? So growth, spiritual growth starts with this knowledge of the Son of God. That is poured out fresh from the Holy Spirit. That comes through us having this intimate relationship with Jesus. Where we see him and know him. And what I find amazing is as we kind of get to know this Jesus. Knowing Jesus is actually the key catalyst that unlocks the potential for you and I to actually have a transformed life. Which is the gospel. The good news about Jesus isn't just a story about Jesus. What makes it good news for you and for me is that this account in the scriptures about Jesus of Nazareth, by us believing in Christ, you and I can have the hope of actually being different. The Bible teaches us in 2 Peter chapter 1 that we have been given a promise. That we've been promised the hope of actually being different. That we have offered the hope of actually living a godly life. And that we can escape the corruption that's in the world caused by evil desires. You three, see, that all comes through knowing Jesus. The Bible says, through our knowledge of him, who has given us these great precious promises, that we might become partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world caused by evil desires. It's through knowing Jesus We've been given this promise where you and I can actually be different. It's knowing him. And not only do we grow in our knowledge of him, but as we know him, God changes us and we grow in our stature or maturity or in our, our image of Jesus. You see, one of the things that's really helpful for us is that we get to know this Jesus and as we get to know him, we begin to understand the picture of what God wants us to be. Does that make sense? The more and more you get to know this Jesus, the more and more you get to know what God wants to transform you into. Because guess what? God's predetermined plan was to transform you into the image of his son. And the last time I checked, the image of his son is the most beautiful image in the universe. So God's plan for you is to transform you to look just like Jesus. 
in stature. It's amazing that God actually can and will change us into his image. That's the promise of Scripture. That's the goal. How many people out there are goal-oriented people? You're motivated by goals, okay? I need goals in my life. I love pursuing after things. You know what the goal is, though, in our spiritual growth? The goal is Jesus. The measuring stick, that's why the verse uses measure. The measuring stick of where we're shooting after, what we're pursuing, from where we are right now in our spiritual lives to there is the goal is Jesus. And some of us feel like, man, we got a long ways to go. Right? I mean, just think about this for a second. You put Jesus up here, perfection, like glory, like all the good things that Jesus is that we just talked about. And then we see us, and we're like, woof. Come on, bro. But let me just affirm you for a second. If you've been walking with Jesus and you've been allowing his grace to change you, you're probably more like Jesus than what you realize. Because he's been doing a work inside of each and every one of you. Now, sure, you see that measuring stick that is Jesus, and you realize there's areas that you need to grow into, but you're probably more like Christ for some of us than we realize. And then some of us, we're not self-aware, and we realize maybe there's blind spots in our life that we're actually unaware of, that we need to grow in stature. Whatever the case may be, Jesus wants to transform us. He wants to transform our inner life. And that's what spiritual formation actually is. It's the process of God transforming us from the inside out. It's God transforming your thoughts. It's God trans. The Bible says, I just thought of this verse, Romans 12 verse 1. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? Come on, you guys know it. I love it. Let's go. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your thoughts. Your thoughts start to become God's thoughts. The Bible teaches us, and we have the mind of Christ. The process of transformation is God changing us from the inside out, changing our thoughts, changing our emotions. So we have Christ's emotions, changing our attitudes, so that our attitude, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, let your attitude be the same as Christ Jesus, right? So the process of transformation is God changing our attitudes to be like Christ. So we start seeing this picture of like what Christ's thoughts, emotions, attitudes, and perspectives are, and then we see the contrast to what are our thoughts, emotions, perspectives, and attitudes? What is the contrast between Christ and us? That's the pathway to growth. Do you see it? That's where God wants to take us and the good news that we all need to hear here tonight because most of us don't believe that that's possible. God believes it's possible. So much so, he banked his only son on it. He believed in this transformation process so much so, he was willing to risk his only son for it. And Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, he who began a good work inside of you will do what? Bring the work to completion. God is committed to you. He's willing to take the long road because he knows some of us need the long road. I had someone share that with me today that they got a long road ahead of them. And I said, you know what? God knew that. And he's still committed to you. 
he still sent his son to die for you because he loves you. No matter how long it takes for you to fully embrace the work of Jesus, God's committed to you. So we grow in knowledge of Jesus. We grow in stature. And I love this one. We grow in stability. Sometimes it's hard for us to see growth in ourselves because some of us are so stinking hard on ourselves. The people that are too hard on yourself, you need to allow the grace of God to, you need to receive the grace of God. Now, some of us maybe that aren't, we probably need the other side of it. But some of us, the enemy is constantly trying to accuse us and make us feel less than and help us to not see the work that God's actually doing in our lives. But one of the things that you'll find is a great evidence that you're actually growing spiritually is stability. Spiritual stability. The Bible says, so we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. When someone first comes to faith in Jesus, it's one of my favorite things. But oftentimes when you first become a Christian, there's a lot of ups and downs and highs and lows and, and there's lots of stuff that goes on because you're a spiritual baby. Babies do all manner of socially unacceptable things, right? Right? <laughs> Babies poop and pee and puke and all kinds of stuff that's socially unacceptable, but do we love them? Yes! Do you love them? Okay, some of you don't love babies. Okay. Praying for yes. Yes, babies do all kinds of spiritually or socially unacceptable things, but we love them. And it's the same with a babe in Christ. They do all kinds of socially unacceptable things, but we love them. There's grace. There's all kinds of ups and downs, but as time goes on, you move from an infant to a child spiritually. But children, according to the scripture, are still tossed to and fro. There's a lack of stability in our lives as we are children of God. But there does come a point in time in our spiritual lives where the world and culture and influences stop rocking our boats. Where all this outside pressure doesn't affect the inward pressure of Christ that's been built up inside of us. That there's a spiritual strength and stability inside of us. And that's one of the real marks of spiritual maturity is how your inner life handles crisis or conflict. We kind of like, as a babe in Christ, it's kind of like we got an outboard motor. And like any little bit of wind and it gets a little ugly. But as we grow as a child of God, Maybe we get a, a little bit bigger of a boat. Maybe we get a Cape Islander. But if it blows like 50 or 60, we don't want to be out there, right? But then you kind of, as you grow spiritually mature, you get to be like an ocean liner. It's still not fun being out in the weather, but you can handle it. You see what I'm saying here? God wants to bring you to a place of stability. So no matter the outside pressures that come, there's a stability in your inner life. Let me ask you a question. How does your inner life, your mind, your will, and your emotions, your spirit, how does your inner life handle crisis or conflict? Because the answer to that question might reveal to us 
where we are in our spiritual journey. And don't feel condemned at that, but just know that God wants to actually build inner strength inside of you. So we talked about knowledge. We talked about stature, looking like Jesus. We talked about stability. We talked about what to grow in, but I'm sure that you want to know how do you actually grow in those things? What do you actually do or what needs to happen for me to grow in knowledge about Jesus, to grow in stature so I look like Christ, or grow in stability so I have inner strength to to counteract some of the pressures I'm feeling from the outside? Well, there's three things I want to say. If you listened to AJ's sermon last week, these are the three things he mentioned. But let's get a little bit practical. The first thing we grow by is spiritual practices. Sometimes these are called means of grace. They're things that put us in a position to receive grace from God. They put us in a position to know about Jesus. Like y'all are here tonight. You're in the presence of God. You all put yourself in a position to know Jesus intimately tonight. You all in this room are practicing a spiritual practice. You're probably practicing multiple of them. Because how many of you sang worship songs tonight? Okay? When you sang a worship song to Jesus, you were doing a spiritual practice. How many of you in this room prayed prayers tonight? Talk to Jesus. You were practicing a spiritual practice. And as you did that, you put your heart in a position to receive grace from Jesus. To receive knowledge about who he is. To receive um, the ability for God to transform your heart and character. And to receive strength from God in your inner being. And it's as we develop a rhythm and practice of putting ourselves in these positions time and time again, we grow. That's how we grow. And there's lots of different ways that we do this. Reading the Bible. Practicing silence. Fasting. Serving. Worship. Practicing Sabbath. Confession. Journaling. I mean, there's a whole host of things that we can do to put ourselves in a position to receive grace from God. But we live in a culture where we tend to always look for the next hit. We're looking for the next event, the next thing to help feed us. But what's boring about sometimes our spiritual life, it's not about just getting that next hit. It's about developing daily, sometimes boring rhythms where we just meet with Jesus. It's about consistency with a habit. And it's okay if we miss from time to time, but it's developing that consistent rhythm of receiving grace from Jesus. And it's amazing what God does through that. When I was chatting with AJ one time, one of the things that he often asks is, how are you doing spiritually? And oftentimes, sometimes they'll say, well, I don't feel like I'm doing all that great spiritually right now. And his follow-up question is, well, have you been reading your Bible or or how's your Bible reading and prayer life going? This isn't like a condemnation, but it's important to, to see that. Like, if I were to ask you the question, how do you feel like your spiritual life is doing tonight? And you were to answer that question, and I were to follow up with you and say, well, tell me about what practices you've been doing. And it's not that these practices twist God's arm to make them give us grace, but they actually put our hearts in a spot to receive. So how is your spiritual life? And what are the things you're doing to put yourself in a position to receive from Jesus? 
Amazing thing happens, though, when you start getting into rhythms of practicing these things is you learn to feed yourself spiritually. You're not dependent on humans to always consistently feed your spiritual life. You, you've learned how to grow in knowledge and, and, and stature and, and, and stability. And, and it's kind of like Jesus with his disciples. He was with them for three years. He had to feed them and he had to teach them. But he was preparing them for the day that he physically would not be there. And the disciples had to learn to go to Jesus, to go to the Father. Jesus taught them. And that was the mark of maturity, is learning how to feed themselves spiritually. I was really blessed this past week. Um, and for any, those of you parents, how many of you parents love it when your kids can start feeding themselves? Hallelujah. Oh, man. But the coolest thing happened this past week for breakfast is Charlotte got up and fed herself. And then doesn't she go and offer to JJ to like, hey, do you want some toast? I can get you some toast. I'm like, yes, Lord. But as a child, she learned to feed herself. Now, she, she still needs community. She still needs parenting. She needs, still needs guidance. But she's developed this ability to feed herself. And as Christians, one of the marks of maturity in your spiritual life is while you need one another, you've developed the ability to spiritually feed yourself directly from God. But it's because you've practiced these spiritual practices. But we do still need community. As a matter of fact, the other way we grow is through biblical community. The Bible says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, as we become spiritually healthy and fed, we're able to actually contribute to other people's growth. And man, what an awesome feeling when you can bless and encourage and help someone else to grow in their walk with Jesus. It's such a fulfilling thing when God does something in you so you can be a blessing to other people. And isn't that what Jesus said? Freely you have received, now freely give. We're blessed to be a blessing, are we not? To this body. God has called us to bless one another. And it's amazing how the body of Christ helps round out the edges. You see, if you grow without community, you grow unbalanced. Maybe you have a lot of knowledge of the scriptures, but you're not in community. And so things like pride begin to flare up. Or things in your character begin to show up. You need community to help hold you accountable and love you. And to, as the Bible says here, speak the truth in love. The Bible says, as iron sharpens an iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And one of the primary ways God spiritually forms you is through community. The final thing that God actually uses to help us grow spiritually. And this is the hardest one. Because some of the edges and spots and things in our spirit only come out of our lives through a combination of spiritual practices, biblical community, and providential circumstances. There's some stuff that has been spiritually formed in us from our family of origin, from our lives, from our decision-making from lots of different things, from influences from our culture, there's been stuff that's so ingrained in our spirit that it's only difficult circumstances that will bring those things to the surface and help those things be broken. 
This is where spiritual formation and the process of transformation becomes painful. So the good news, God has the ability to take the most broken parts of our life and fix them. That's the good news. The bad news is that most of those extra broken areas will take some pretty difficult circumstances for us to go through. And everyone's like, yes, not. How many of you want to go through difficult circumstances? No one. But how many of us want to become more like Jesus? That's the trade-off. Some of the stuff that's in our lives that is not like Jesus, some of the most broken areas of our lives that we just continue to struggle with, the only way for a lot of that stuff to be changed is through providential circumstances. Some of us go through things like the dark night of the soul where the Holy Spirit continues to turn everything inside out. He reveals all the dark spots and all the difficult things, but he does that because he loves us and there's this hope of transformation. I was reading the story of Joseph this week and dude went through the ringer, but it's because he had issues with his character. God is ultimately transforming us because of his perfect plan. And some of us can't handle what God is preparing us for until we go through those dark seasons. Because the preparation is for a purpose. He's preparing us for something great. So my prayer for us as a church is that we would grow up in every way. In order for to do this, you've got to name your season. What season are you in right now? Where are you at in your relationship with Jesus? Are you stagnant? Do you feel half dead on the inside? Do you feel stuck? Is there something blocking your spiritual life? Is there resentment or forgiveness or some kind of sin that's holding you back from the more that Jesus has? Or have you gotten comfortable in your spiritual life? You need God to bring back that first love fire again. Or maybe the most important question for you to ask today is, what's the one thing I can take from this message and actually apply to my life? What's one spiritual practice I can lean into this week to receive grace from Jesus? Maybe it's prayer or silence or solitude. Or maybe the one thing for you is biblical community. Maybe you need to join a small group or start coming to CR or or connect with a pastor or find someone to meet with one-on-one. Maybe that's your one thing. Or maybe it's embracing the season that you're in even though it's not very fun. Maybe it's saying, Lord, I know nothing's wasted. I'm in a tough season right now. But God, I trust that you're using it to make something awesome in here. We're about to sing the song Broken Vessels and we are broken vessels. The Bible talks about us being jars of clay in which God chooses to trust his glory inside of us. But the beautiful part is about us carrying the glory of Jesus to a world that needs to see and hear it is that the cracks and brokenness inside of us, the glory of Jesus shines through. So people, when they look at us, sure they see us. But you know who else they see? him. And that makes every bit of what God's doing on the inside worth it. Father, thank you for your incredible work of grace. God, we're all at different spots in our journey, but Jesus, we just want you to change us. So God, change us from the inside out. Transform our lives and help us be more like you. In Jesus' name.
Amen. You can stand.